You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. And joining us this week as well is Andy. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. So normally I would say here is a special guest. Welcome, Andy. But actually, you're now part of the furniture, aren't you? <laughs> I'm still special, though. Yes, you don't <laughs> get the special welcome anymore, Andy. <laughs> you're, just, you're just another name to introduce. So uh, Andy's now uh, joined the team here at Brews and Brews. Welcome, Andy. Hey. I'm just going to clap on my own. Don't worry about it. Don't leave me out to dry, guys. Um, so, yeah, welcome to the team. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. Um, I was saying to Matt before, when you guys asked me to come on, it'd be crazy to say no, really. Um, I've always wanted to be part of a podcast or do my own podcast or whatever. Um, so when you guys asked me, it was kind of like a dream come true. Um, and then, obviously, one of the nice things about this is it's also going to help me with my own hobby um, and trying to get yeah motivation and all that sort of stuff. And hopefully the listeners at home get a bit of a... Uh, entertainment out of me so yeah yeah the, the peer pressure of having to try and paint models and keep up with us i think yeah i just don't bother keeping up with matt if if i can if i can maybe keep up with jay that's um a win <laughs> um but i yeah i don't ever matt matt's unachievable right now maybe if i've just got a massive like fence paintbrush and just like whack loads of paints and models i might be able to keep up but hey, honestly that's how i paint you know <laughs> <laughs> excellent stuff so yeah welcome to the team um and what a special episode to join us on because uh, this week's main feature is going to be the revamped kill team which matt has been busy churning models out for and a review matt it's been keeping you busy hasn't it oh yes <laughs> So we'll, we'll chat about that a little bit later on in the show. Um, we've also got our top three retro models, ideally from the sort of the decades of the 80s and the 90s, but we're opening the floor to to retro models. So we're going to discuss our top three, and then we're going to open to the community towards the end of the podcast. We, of course, have lots in the news section as well, as per normal, really. Um, so we'll discuss all that um, quite shortly. But before we get stuck into all of that content, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So, Jay, what have you been up to? Um, so, this week, um, we've had the Grey Knights Codex go up for um, pre-order. Uh, and um, anticipating that release, I've been working on my Grey Knights army. So, um, this last week, it's mainly been about finishing off my um, Grandmaster in um, Dread Knight armor, Dread Knight suit, and 10 Brotherhood Terminators. Um and so that now is a thousand points of um, Grey Knights finished. Um, and I'm currently in, in front of me. I've converted up. I had an old metal Caldor Drago, uh, and he's a really nice model. Um, but I'm not 100% um, a fan of his the pose of him. So I've chopped his arms off, chopped the banner off, and, and put, transplanted them onto a plastic Grey Knight Terminator. Um, and I'm currently painting up that now in front of me while we're podcasting. Um, Caldor Drago is. Um, 
the way the rules work in the new Grey Knight Codex, where you've got your brotherhood and you're restricted to a single grandmaster from each brotherhood, a single brother captain. Caldor Drago doesn't have the grandmaster keyword. He has the supreme grandmaster keyword, which means you can slot him into any brotherhood. Um, he's also a really, really good cycler in the book. He can cast more powers than other Grey Knights. He's got a solid combat profile, a really good invulnerable save. So I think he's definitely going in a 2000 point army. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a Grey Knights week, really, for me. Excellent. In the Lord, does he still kind of pop up, help out, and then disappear again? Yeah, yeah. The law for him has not changed. Um, yeah, so they, 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 a demon cursed him to the walk, thinking he'd get torn apart by demons. And because Caldor Drago was that hardened against against the warp from his years of training and years of fighting that that it didn't quite turn out the way the demon wanted it to turn out. And now we just, now demons in the warp are running from him. Yeah, he's he, he, he's kind of like the Steve Irwin of the warp, isn't he? Going around annoying demons. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, you're right. He is. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, the good thing, he's got a points reduction as well in the new book. Um, and I think he's, He's going to be in a lot of Grey Knight armies, I think, because he is just—he's one of the strongest pieces in the book, I think. Uh, so he's the start of my next thousand points. I, we managed to pre-order Hexfire, um, so when Hexfire turns up, I'll be adding some more um, Grey Knights in power armor. Uh, another um, Grandmaster—not uh, another Grandmaster, another Dread Knight. I want three Dread Knights in my two thousand point army. Um, I'm real looking. I'm just enjoying. It. I, I, the Codex is brilliant. And I, I, the models are really, really cool. And it's just a really, really nice army. I'm really, really enthusiastic about this army. So looking forward to getting it to the table. They look really yeah. nice as well. You've done a great job with them. Oh, thank you. Whilst we're on uh, that subject, actually, Jay, we've actually been quite busy as well this week. Um, I know Matt's always been busy with Kill Team, but we've been reviewing the latest uh, 40k codexes, the one for the Thousand Sons and the Grey Knights. We've done some uh, videos and written reviews, which are up on spruceandbrews.com. Uh, I will put the links for, for all three of the major things we've been doing in the podcast notes as well, so you can check those out. Whilst Jay has been staying on top, and painting Grey Knights. I unfortunately haven't been painting Thousand Suns, but I have been painting some Muscaven. It feels like every week I'm painting just a little bit more Skaven. Um, the main thing for that, I actually wanted to be painting Kragnos this week, and I said to myself at the weekend, nearly, I really need to pick up some Mechanicus Grey uh, spray, and I completely forgot, because um, I really want to do his base first. So um, I've ended up ordering some, so hopefully that'll come tomorrow. Um, and then I'll get crushing on him. But I have been painting um, some clan rats, and I've also, um, I'm probably about halfway, maybe into towards three quarters of the way through my first Storm Fiend. Um, who I've oh, I saw really, that on Twitter. Really... Yeah, that was good. Yeah, did you like it? He, he yeah, looks cool, do. doesn't he? Yeah, the orange yeah, is really painting him. I See, I'd, I really like them. I'd go kind of Storm Fiend heavy. Well, yeah, I mean, Clan Skyra is, is quite tempting, um, but I, I do like the idea of still having these blocks of clan rats and stuff. Um, what I will probably do in uh, future 2K games is I'll probably have a unit of six Storm Fiends, I think. Um, I know some people run them in squads of nine uh, in some cases, or like you say, Matt, run some, several small squads of them and just run them as Clan Skyr. Um So we'll see. But I, I like the idea of a mixed Skaven army. I always have done. Um, and I think that really is where my heart is set on, on the Skaven army. But hopefully, guys... Very, very soon, I'll actually be able to have a game with these because um, I really want to now. And I, I don't want it to get to a point where um, I'm going to stop painting Skaven because I just I've lost the kind of, you know, 
I want to be able to play with them. And I'm sure once I've had a game with them, I'll want to carry on painting them uh, even more. But after reading the Thousand Suns book, boy, oh boy, do I want to paint some Thousand Suns. We did have a good battle, didn't we, Dave? It was a it was a it was a brilliant battle, Jay. So we, we had a game on YouTube and Twitch on Saturday. Uh, I think it was one PM and we, we kicked it off. We had a game of Crusade. What was the name of the mission, Matt? Was it something batteries? Uh yeah, I, I forget, but basically the, 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 the law around it is that you're taking down device that controlled some orbital batteries. Yeah. So it was about uh it was a starting crusade army, so it was I think we had fifty three power between us, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, uh, some um, of the some of the I had, I had Castell and Crow, uh, you had Araman, and it it was a really um it wasn't super it wasn't close in points really but there, there was only one Scarabacult Terminator standing yeah. at the end of the game. Yeah, <laughs> um, at the beginning, though. Say again. I was rooting for you at the beginning. <laughs> Is that what went wrong? You didn't you didn't tell me that uh, you had faith uh, in the Thousand Suns, did you? Maybe once or twice. <laughs> oh, that's where it all went wrong, clearly. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a really fun game. It was really fun trying out all the... Um, I say trying out all the stratagems. I think we burnt through our CP by two. Yeah. We didn't think that, that well how far ahead doing. Not good planning. <laughs> no, no. But we did get to try out some of the new stuff. I tried out some of the Cabal ritual points, which was really cool. You yeah. were making the most of some plus one on your dinner. Eyes. Um, yeah, it was a really, a really, really, really fun game, and you can watch it back on on YouTube as well. Um, so yeah, you'd be able to to check out how that that battle um, turned out. But um, yeah, once Hexfire arrives, I'm I'm looking forward to building those and and painting them up. Um, I was very tempted to, even though I've got like this heresy army, I was thinking, do I do I create kind of a 40k army in the in the gen, in the uh, general blue scheme? That you obviously see a lot of thousand suns in, but I think they'll just keep painting them as heresy. I think uh, they look nice in that cherry red scheme, and I think it makes sense because like, you've got a bigger selection of units. Yeah, um, I mean, you yeah. could always one unit in the blue color, couldn't you? I guess that wouldn't be too bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll probably just stick with the the red. I think um, going forward. Um, so yeah, that's that's really been me for the hobby this week. Obviously, reviewing that book um, took up a, a good chunk of chunk of time um, Andy what have you been up to this week in the hobby um so I started the week off by painting up um my third and for the time being final mega gargan um the kraken eater which I started the sons of bear map back when uh when um the battle team came out last October I think it was now um so it's it's definitely been a slow burn um, getting the army done, but I finally finished off the cracking ear and got that finished and painted. I just need to take a family family group Photos. shot, yeah. Um, and then after that, I had about a day or two just to chill out and, and not hobby. Um, and then on my painting desk right in front of me at the minute, I've got five Cavalos Death Riders um, for my Osiot Bone Reaper army that I'm painting up. Um, because when me and Matt played. It was about two weeks ago now, Matt. Two weeks ago, was it Bone Reapers versus Fire Slayers? That was a fun game. Fire Slayers, yeah. Um, one of the things that came out of that Path to Glory game was I um, hired a unit of Kevlar Death Riders for the army. So I want to get them built and painted. Um, and I've also started working on a Liege Kavalos at the same time because they're 
with the exception of maybe like one or two colors are basically the same sort of model um, so i've got them and now uh, i've got most of the base colors done on them just need to do some washes and stuff afterwards and then a friend of mine gave me a sisters of battle model that he got um back when they've re-released or released the new wave of sisters um the games workshop stores did like um uh, an intro model that you could get when you walked mm. in it would give you like a free sisters of battle that you could paint up and stuff and he gave me um his that he hadn't painted yet or anything like that um just so i could try out a color scheme so i've been painting that up and going for a um i think they're called the order of the golden light um so we've got gold armor now the color scheme in the codex has like white robes but i hate painting white <laughs> mm. um, so i've gone for more of a sort of like bone zandri dust sort of color um and then given that a bit of a wash just to highlight it up to you know use shakti bone and stuff later on yeah and just to just to try out a color scheme because i've been looking at sisters for a new 40k army now that i've joined the elite ranks of the spruce and brutes guys <laughs> um, i've got to start thinking about other game systems and stuff and 40k despite the fact that i've played more games of ninth edition than i have ninth edition 40k than i have new edition of age of sigma i haven't actually got a 2000.40k army painted so i've been looking at sisters of battle been looking at like chaos space marines and death guard and stuff like that so at the minute it's still a bit of um up in the air in terms of what project i'm going to land on for 40k but yeah i'm looking at the sisters of battle i'm looking at the model right now it's just a regular sister Ooh, regular sister with a bolt gun but i'm just like absolutely amazing models yeah so um i'm, I'm half tempted by the sisters but i've always felt the pull of chaos so oh have you been tempted by the um the imperium magazine andy that's out in two weeks isn't it and you get what four armies over the run of that magazine yeah i i don't know i'm, I'm still i'm still up in the air i mean i've got the bone reapers to focus on for the time being and I've got the um, Necron stuff from the Indomitus box that I bought last year. So it'll probably end up being Necrons just because then it saves me the money of buying a new army when I've got one sat waiting to get built and painted. So This um, guy's too sensible for Spruce and Bruce. Yes, he is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to my Necrons, actually. Every now and again I get this inkling to paint some, but... Um, Matt just alluded to the magazine. I think that's what I'm waiting for, um, that to drop, and then I might try and paint them as we go because my scheme's really quite quick and easy. So um, I might try and paint them as the magazine goes, and that'll build up my force set. Like I say, from Indomitus, um, expand it out. I think yeah, that, that's me. I'm, I'm just happy to finish off for Gargants, although you did mention Kragnos, and I'm like, I kind of want to add Kragnos to the army as well at some point. Well, now's a good time. A I cross with all the uh, dragons on the way. Yeah. Don't tempt yeah. me, Jay. Don't tempt me. <laughs> it was it was fantastic to build. Like I really enjoyed um, building Kragnos. He's one of the best models I've built for ages. He just went together an absolute treat. I just need to get him painted. Excellent stuff, Matt. 
what what haven't you been doing in the past week in the hobby? It's 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 been a busy week. I've done lots of hobby. I need a sleep. I desperately need a sleep. Well, you see, we'll we'll start with the non-kill team related stuff. I built six Griff Hounds today and a Lord Aquila because uh, there there be Stormcast on the horizon, and I want to get a couple of. Uh, things built for my army i've also been basing some elder scrolls uh call to arms draugr um i think i mentioned a couple of weeks ago i want to start streaming some delves and can't really stream it if the models aren't painted so finish them off i really just need to add some moss to the bases and then they're done so that gives me a big pool of adversaries for my game so that's really exciting and then about a week ago was it kill team octarius landed on on, on my doorstep and uh, yeah, had the had the review to, to to film, but I thought, yeah, we can't really we can't really do this justice without building and painting everything in it and then doing a battle. Plan is we're going to film a live battle tomorrow, I think, Jay, aren't we? Yeah. But um, yeah, over the last over the last week, I've been frantically building and painting the entire contents of Octarius, and uh, they, they are amazing models. I mean, we'll talk about it a bit in the in the review later on but uh managed to do all the scenery in the day the death core took a couple of nights and then same again couple of nights for the the orcs actually we just finished them today they're about ready they, they i can go back in and add some more detail but they're certainly uh ready for the stream and uh yeah i think that's that's not bad going a stack of scenery and two kill teams in a week no absolutely not and the the, the really that scenery is fantastic isn't it yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll go into more detail on that on, late, later on in the podcast, but uh, yeah, I already want to get more of it. Yeah. We were only saying um, <clears throat> a short while back that we'd love to see more Xenos scenery, and then they've gone and released like a whole set of Orc. That's brilliant. And then they yeah. didn't went and did something stupid like release some Orc scenery. <laughs> Doesn't really go with the song, but hey. <laughs> excellent stuff yeah it's, it's a really nice set i'm really looking forward to watching you guys have a game tomorrow and but like matt said we're going to talk a lot more about kill team later on uh, in the show so uh, keep listening for that that wraps up what we've been up to in the hobby this week so it's time to take a pause grab a fresh brew and we'll be right back with this week's news so what do we have in this week's news matt well, the biggie is here. Kill Team Octarius is up for pre-order. Um, £125, which I think is what we all expected for this set, really. You get a load of stuff in the box. Uh, you get enough um, orc scenery to fill an entire tile. So these are the... the It's basically half of a minimum 40k board. Kill Team's always been on those size ones, and uh, they use, obviously duplicates of those to make the legal battlefields now in 40k and yeah you get enough scenery to fill that all brand new uh orky you get the new plastic death core creek you get the new plastic orc mandos you get a load of tokens and cards and dice and range rulers and you also get the the core rule book and the octaria supplements really really cool obviously we're going into that in a bit more detail later on i think that's a really good price for 125 pounds if you don't want to get the big octarius box you can get the bits separately. So the core rulebook is £30. The Tech Ops cards are £12. The Essentials box, which is basically your range rulers and your tokens, is £20. And really, all that stuff, you, you do really need to play Kill Team. So if you bought just that, it'd be £62. 
arguably for another 60 quid you could get a Krieg kill team and an orc kill team and a load of scenery and a board and some dice it seems a no-brainer to go for the box personally but you know i understand some people might not want the the factions or the scenery in the box so if you don't you don't have to you can just get the uh the books and the cards and stuff separately also for pre-order is the compendium this contains all the rules for all the 40k profiles which is cool um, they also are releasing some limited edition dice that I'm going to be on the Games Workshop website at 10 o'clock to try and order because I can't miss out on these. We've got Chaos dice, we've got Astartes dice, we've got Orc dice, and we have got some Death Core of Krieg dice. These mm-hmm. are £20 each, and they're in the attractive orange and black stylings of Kill Team. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to get hold of those. Now, Games Workshop has said that um, if you order within the two-week period that it's up for pre-order, so this will be out on the 27th, 28th of August, so the last Saturday of the the month this will be out, if you pre-order within that time, you will get a copy. So basically, once they've sold their stock allocation, any orders from that point will be made to order. You won't get them on release day, but you'll get them a couple of months later. Now, Games Workshop have shared that this is something they want to do with all limited boxes going forward or something similar. And that's that's a really good thing. I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, it's a good sort of um, reaction to the Curse City um, troubles they had where mm-hmm. people couldn't get hold of that game and haven't been able to get hold of that game. At least now you will get, if you want it and pre-order it, you'll get it. So that's good. There's not a yeah. lot I think they can do about, you know, demand the popular products they're going to sell out and these are limited runs so there's always a chance you're not going to get it but i guess here you've almost got a guarantee now that if you pre-order it in those two weeks you're guaranteed a copy so yeah uh, so i mean uh, uh, i see a lot on facebook people saying it's all scalpers yeah certainly there is an element of scalpers but i think honestly more people want it than the stock for it's as simple as that um so at least this way that yeah you might not get it day one but you'll get you'll get a copy and and it means that people don't have to buy it from scalpers to get it either, which in turn should reduce the scalping problem as well because they're not yeah. going to benefit from picking up 10 copies of it. So that's really cool. And um, if you do order it from Games Workshop while it's in stock, however, you get a metal combat gauge. And, you know, I love a combat gauge. So uh, that's probably the route I'd go. Now, they do allude to in the article that obviously this, this is one of the things they're doing. I do wonder if for these kind of boxes, they'll open the pre-order period earlier than they normally would you know like you see you know like you see kickstarters and video games open pre-orders a lot earlier and games which have always been really adverse to doing pre-orders any further out than two weeks personally if if i knew there was a box coming in three months and i could pre-order it and guarantee a copy i'd do that i don't know about you guys yeah i probably would on it as well it'd let people plan wouldn't they yeah for for me, I'd I'd love to pick up a, a box of kill team, but knowing that I can pick one up during that two week period, it, again, it, just having that confidence that I know I'm going to get that box. It, you know, you don't have to wake up at ten o'clock on the Saturday morning and, and, and you know worry about missing out. You, you've got that certainty, which I think is great. Yeah, especially when you know we're we're in a very privileged position where we get a copy to review and. A lot of people, you know, they might they might be working that morning and they're not able to order it at ten o'clock on the dot and they miss out, which is it is a shame. And at the end of the day, Games Workshop want to sell as many copies as they can. 
then they don't want to go, oh, well, we've sold all of them, so tough, you can't have any. That's that's not a position they want to be in. But equally, they don't want to have a warehouse full of stock that they can't sell. So I think this might lead to a nice balance between both of those extremes. Yeah. And as as a little tease, they, they, they kind of drop that, you know, if there's a Black Templars launch box coming in the near future, we'll have a, a new way of ordering that too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> that's that's out the blue, isn't it? We knew uh, Black Templars were coming, and, and it, I believe at the same time this post went up, we also got a post um, about a new Emperor's Champion. Yeah, so, well, uh, Jay, yeah, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Well, the Emperor's Champion model, yeah. So this is like a reimagining. We've seen it with a lot of the Primaris figures where they've taken the older <coughs> metal model, Mephiston. Um, Oh, who else have we seen reimagined? Ragnar. Ragnar, yep. Yeah. Shrike, Caven Shrike, and they've just slightly, they've just modernised it. So you've kept, you've got all the original charm of the original model, but it's been modernised with, you know, the, the new primary style armour, the sharper details, and that's what they've done with the Empress Champion. So if you know the old, it must be a third edition model, maybe fifth edition model with the Black Templars Empress Champion, looks like a Bretonian knight with his black sword held up in the air. That this new model, if you go on the Warhammer community website, that, that's what it looks like. It's brilliant. Um, we had the the sneak preview, wasn't it, at the end of the last Warhammer preview, where we saw the Black Templar kneeling in the chapel. Um, and I sort of had a feeling, oh, great, Black Templar's on the way. It'll be a codex supplement. We'll maybe get one Primaris character. And then I thought, we saw the Empress Champion today. There's your one Primaris character. Great. You know, a lot of the Indomitus sort of era Primaris mm-hmm. Marines fit nicely into a Black Templar's army already with the Vembraces and the, the close combat oriented, the Blade Guard veterans, that sort of thing. But yeah, we got told today that, well, in a roundabouts way, that there's a Black Templar's launch box on the way. So these launch boxes, if you think, these are like the Lumineth launch box, the um, Sisters of Battle launch box. Uh, yeah, these, and they're all new kits. So, so, uh, I, this sounds like we've got a load of new Black Templar models. And they even say, don't they, that, that he won't stand alone. So yeah. almost well, double it, confirming. All, all the launch boxes have had at least two kits plus a hero. I mean, even that is more than we expected from the little teaser that we got. Yeah. You know, if it's and I wonder if that there's a lot of things they could be. It could be reimagined sword brethren. It could be brand new Primaris Black Templar units that they've invented for this. You know, yep. maybe a a power army unit and a terminator army unit plus the emperor's champion in this box with the codex yeah that'd be a must buy surely yeah oh can you imagine that new new terminator style primaris i mean mm. we've been calling out for assault marine primaris black templars are an assault army oh, that's and... i think i think black templars <laughs> fit that bill don't they they do they do um yes yeah, so uh, I'm really excited to see. I mean, and also the way the law's going now. We've obviously got the Orcs, um, Octarius. Uh, we've got uh, the Tyranids that they've been fighting. New Guardsmen, you know. Uh, it all sort of feels to me like we're heading back to a famous hive world, myself. Yeah, <laughs> well, see, and it fits the... Because fits the, the, uh, the Black Templars came a bit out of the blue, considering they just said, right... 40k and i think sigmar to some extent they're doing slightly differently this time around i think they're gonna have story arcs where they can have a story unfolding over a couple of battle boxes and a couple of books and then have some factions within that so we had the adeptus mechanicus the dracari and the sisters of battle all within the charodon story arc and then obviously the next story arc is octarius kicking off with kill team 
Um, we know the orcs are part of that story arc. And then, like you say, the mentioned factions are the Astra Militarum. Coincidentally, there's Krieg in that box. So, you know, that kind of works out. And then Nids being the kind of like the big end antagonist for this. But the Black Templars didn't really fit in that. But that kind of makes sense that if this launch box comes out in the next couple of months, but then maybe the story arc after Octarius is about the Black Templars, could we see Black Templars and, you know, World Eaters maybe? There's your next 40k army, Andy. Oh no, if if they bring out world eaters, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in trouble if they bring out world, be- world eaters. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody wins if the if the, uh, no. the the red angel returns. I, I definitely need to get Caldor Drago painted now. You do, you do. There's only a demon on the uh, horizon. So yes, yeah, so that's that's super super exciting. Um, I think we may learn a little bit more about this um, on Friday. Because Games Workshop are sharing, and this is something that I think you wanted a few weeks ago on the podcast as well, Jay. They must be listening. A codex <laughs> roadmap where they're going to list out the next couple of books that are coming out. Yeah, I, I said that, for... and I've also said Kenoffi a lot of times. So you have, yeah, you have. So, I mean, this is something we've seen for Necromunda that's been really good. We've known the release schedule for Necromunda. We've known the release schedule for a couple of things now, and I, I, I do wonder if Games Workshop are moving away from the. I, I think marketing-wise. And I get it. You don't want people to get excited about a release in three months time because they won't buy the release this month. But I think there's so much stuff and so many things that people are into. I don't really think they've got that problem. People will still buy the orcs if they know that Black Templars are coming. Where in the past it's always been they won't talk about what's coming after the next big thing. And I think this is maybe a move away from that. And it lets people, you know, arguably somebody who's got no interest in any of the other stuff but they know that let's say you know world eaters for example are coming in january they'll save cash for that and maybe buy an entire army in one go it's it's potentially a better tactic marketing wise uh, i was gonna say i think so i think there's enough stuff out there now that people want that they don't need to worry about people holding on to the cash they're gonna sell whatever comes out and like you say, you, you might, you know, the dragons are coming. Oh, the dragons are great. You spend all of your savings and whatnot, your hobby budget on the dragons, only to find out that your favourite Warhammer 40,000 army are getting a codex in three weeks' time. And you've just got no cash to spend on it anyway. So Yeah. Well, arguably, you may have spent more on them if you'd have known and not bought exactly. the dragons. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think it's a good move. I, I think a codex roadmap is a great idea. I think, you know, if you can see three to six months out what's coming out that month, I think that that really helps the hobby people, you know, to plan and budget. We used to, um, way back in the day, back in like eighth edition, they used to um, announce um, army books and stuff that were coming out and when they were coming out, like three or four months in advance. But obviously you wouldn't know what models were coming out or, you know, anything. All you knew was like Tomb Kings, you know, rest in peace Tomb Kings. Um, we're coming out in in three months time and again like you say jay if you know like if i know chaos space marines are coming out in three months time for example i'll be like okay well i'll put a little bit of money aside every week or whatever and then when it comes out i'm like yeah there you go yeah, I, I think it's a good plan. And I hope we see the same for AOS as well. If this is what they're doing, and obviously, you know, we might be saying all this on Friday, it's literally the next codex is Orcs. I, I don't think it will be. The fact that they've called it out as a roadmap suggests a bit of a longer run to it, doesn't yeah. it? I think so. So, yeah, exciting times. Uh, and then finally in the news, um, 
the August free coin and miniature is Grey Knights themed. So if you go into your local Games Workshop store, you don't even have to buy anything. You'll get a purifier, are they? The, the standard power armor guy? Yeah, just the Grey Knights in power armor makes a purifier, interceptor, or strike squad marine. Awesome. So I think the store will already built it, whatever variant it is, and you'll get a random one. So that's cool. And then if you spend £60 or more, you get a Grey Knights coin. I've got all of the ones this year. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's, it's not hard to spend 60 quid in Games Workshop, is it? No, I think I'll be going in at the weekend to buy some um, boxes of Grey Knights myself. So, yeah. Nice. And you could use that as like an objective marker or, a, you know, yeah. something something fun you could use around me if you haven't collected them all. If you do have six or more, I believe, if you go into your store, they'll give you a nice binder to put them all in as well. So I quite like that. It's not, I hope they do it for next year as well. It's a nice little collectible thing. I've only got the one, and it's actually right next to me, and that's the Death Guard one. Ah. It's the only one that matters, Dave. It is the only one that matters, that's true. Excellent stuff. Plenty in the news there to get teeth in. Can't wait to see what um, is revealed on Friday that with, with regards to the roadmap. Uh, and flipping out, yeah. I, can you imagine what the Crusade content's going to be like for the Black Templar, seeing as yeah. that is what they, <laughs> they crusade. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so... Some, uh, some fun times ahead. I think it's time. It, it keeps getting mentioned on the show, but I think it's time we took a deeper dive into the brand new Kill Team Army Box. Uh, well, starter box, uh, launch box, as it were, and rules for Kill Team. So we'll be right back. We just uh, mentioned just off uh, recording there. What is Kill Team Octarius? Is it a launch box? Is it a starter box? Matt, why don't you take us away with this next segment? Well, for, for a start, it's a big old box full of plastic. Um, we were lucky enough to receive a copy of um, Kill Team Octarius to, to review a little bit early ahead of time. And uh, it's been super hard not talking about this box because it's, I think we mentioned when we first saw it on one of the preview shows, it's like all my Christmases have come at once. <laughs> I mean, just looking at the plastic stuff, I mean, where, where, where to start? Not you know we we said that we'd want to see more non-imperium terrain because it makes for a more interesting battlefield. We did get some um, speed freaks scattering with little kind of piles of rubble and some little barricades, which are actually included in this box too. But we see for the first time some non-imperium buildings. So the box contains enough sprues to make four, you know, fair-sized buildings. They're about four inches by seven inches and about four inches tall so you know a fair size building and you get four of these what's really really clever is the way that they're designed any two buildings you can put together and make like a medium-sized building one kind of long one kind of squat which is really cool and on top of that you can put any four buildings together to make a massive orc fortress and there's a little hole in it. Now, there's some panels and other things that you can put in there to fill that void. Or the kind of big fuel pump that comes in the box also fits on top of it. So it's really cleverly designed. And there's no mention of that modularity in the book. It's just when I was building it, I noticed, oh, this all just fits together. That's really clever. Nice surprise. <laughs> yeah. And it's so so arguably with, I don't know, three sets of this building, you could end up with about seven different buildings of different sizes which i think is a really nice touch 
Yeah, yeah it's you know, cool if you were planning on doing a um, <clears throat> an orc 40k board, for example. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, really, two two lots of this terrain probably do you a 40k battlefield. Kill team's very dense and claustrophobic anyway, so you get a load of terrain on here. Uh, and they have said that this scenery is going to be available separately. I don't know if it's going to be one or two kits. Obviously, the fuel pumps are separate sprue, and then you've got two different sprues for the buildings but they're nice and chunky and i really like how they clip together and i hope that we see this for other xenos forces as well but you know corrupted tyranid like yes. uh, what do they call them spore vents and stuff like that and biomass and stuff yeah yeah and like eldari kind of like i don't know wayside ruins yeah it, 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 stuff like that we wanted to see for ages but they've never really done because i think the logic's been more people have got imperial armies so that's the scenery they'll want but arguably the imperium wouldn't necessarily be fighting over an imperium city they'd be you know somewhere else so, so yeah, I, I guess the thing is as well is is there's a lot of imperial scenery now i mean there's only so many variations you could do on the on the sort of mechanicus sort of hab block type and the yeah so that's... now maybe they've maybe they've cleared the backlog now maybe we can start seeing some more like you know, interesting Xenos scenery. Yeah, and you know, for, for for Kill Team, the scenery is an important part of the game, and that's why for this box, really, for you to get the best experience, why it is chock full of scenery. Um, we mentioned earlier that just the kind of rules and card content it costs you about sixty pounds. I think that the, the 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 arguably the scenery content in here would probably cost the same as well. So you're getting the kill teams for free. Um, speaking of the kill teams, both of these are brand new plastic kits as well. You get the Orc Commandos, which not only are they really, really good in the new Orc Codex, but they're really characterful as well. What's interesting about this kill team is that you can like build it as a standard 40k unit, but every model has got a unique variant with its own loadout and its own bit of character. And I think that's really something that that if this is something that we see for every faction in the game, that's going to make Kill Team really fun. Because the, I suppose the appeal of games like Necromunda is that you've got a team of all individual looking guys. And that's exactly what you get with the Kill Teams in this box. Very but, similar to Infinity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then from a genius point of design, you can also build it as like a generic unit of orcs as well. All right. OK. Dual purpose. Yeah. Dual purpose. Moving on to the Death Corps of Krieg. What's interesting is that it seems that this kit may have been designed for use outside of Kill Team. But there's an additional sprue that adds all the unique stuff like the guy with the bionic arm and the medals and the medic and the comms guy. That's all on a separate sprue that looks like it's been designed purely for the use of Kill Team. Okay. And if they, I guess, if the design team are thinking about this while they're making models, they could easily put a sprue or part of the sprue dedicated to Kill Team stuff that isn't necessarily going to be used for 40k. You can still use it to make some cool-looking guys, but have the option to give those guys an individual kind of operative theme for Kill Team, which is a brilliant idea in my box you know we've looked at some of the um the other the other factions kill teams and the problem with like an astartes kill team is that you haven't really got that customization on the stock sprues have you no yeah and someone like space marines they're going to be popular aren't they you know that that's going to be one of the main factions in the game i would have thought so yeah it would be make sense to 
create some customization on your Space Marine sprues, especially now that they've got like all of the sort of foundation kits out there, your basic intercessor, your basic scat, um, what do they call it? infiltrator, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I do wonder if this is something we see for the Black Templars. It makes a generic Black Templar kit, but there's parts on the sprue for you to make unique operatives for Kill Team. That'll be interesting, yeah. be interesting to see then what we see in the launch box. Yeah, so so um, for the Krieg as well, size-wise, they're very similar to the old resin ones. There's a few stylistic differences. The design of the, the gas mask is different. Um, on the resin ones, it's a full kind of fabric gas mask. On the plastic ones, there's like a metal ridge kind of joining the, the, the fabric together. And they've got shoulder pads on both shoulders, where the resin ones have only got it on their left shoulder. Honestly, though, mixed in a squad, I don't think it really matters. And you're only going to notice if you've painted a lot of uh, resin deathcore or Krieg. You know, the, the the fact that they're plastic makes them a lot easier to build and paint anyway in, the, in of themselves. And like I say, you've got so many options. I believe there's about ooh, 24 or so unique different models you can build out of that box. Obviously, you're not going to be able to build all of them out of one box, but you've got, you know, across three kits, you've got lots of variety. That's, again, that's good for army construction, isn't it? Yeah, that is interesting because obviously in an Imperial Guard army, you have a lot of guard. And if there's that much variation in them and you've got lots of infantry, then that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, you've got a whole array of weapon options as well. You've got Sniper, Plasma, Melter, Flamer, which I believe are the new options they added to the Cadian kit as well, aren't they? Yes, they did. You're right, because they used to yeah. be like um, in the command squad, I think, only. Yeah. Oh, you get a grenade launcher as well. So you get you get five special weapons. Um, obviously, you get two different models that can be built as medics. So if you really wanted to, and if and this is speculating on what's on a future guard book, but if there's a medic option for your squads, which presumably there will be from this kit, you can actually build two models of medics and use a spare one, maybe in one of your existing resin squads. It seems quite well thought out where you could buy a box to pad out your existing Krieg army, but equally just build it all with las guns if you want to. And it's it's been a while since we've seen a kit with that level of options. And I think it's really this extra sprue in there that helps with that. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I want to call out on them as well, um, and this is kind of a side tangent from Kill Team, but you get a Death Corps Krieg transfer sheet in the box. So, oh yeah, amazing. Transfers, happy days. I've been dying for some Krieg transfers for a long time. You get a big block of um, infantry markings, so all your various regiment markings and numbers and stuff. Loads and loads there, enough to fill an entire army, over an entire army's worth of different markings, which is cool. There's also a Krieg vehicle section. Now, admittedly, they could just throw this in the Lehman Rust box, for example, when, when Krieg are a thing proper in the uh, Astro Militarum book. But we have seen some rumor engines that look like light vehicles and obviously forge world used to do the centaur transports and you know you've got the um the hazardous environment um alpha pattern lehman rust with the dust filters and stuff so could that be a sign that we see some krieg vehicles at some points the most well, exciting part oh sorry Jay. i was gonna say the chimera is looking a bit long in the tube now isn't it so a new kit to replace the chimera uh, yeah. Whether that's like not a Chimera, but like you say, this, um, what was it, a Centaur? Uh, centaur light transport is basically yeah. a little um, a light vehicle that could cope driving through trenches and stuff. Um, but the most exciting thing for me is that there's a section on this transfer sheet marked um, trench and ba- uh, minefield markings. Now, 
my question would be, why would they have a trench and minefields marking section if there wasn't a plastic kit for you to apply those transfers to? There's there's things cut into the shape of signs that could be plastic signs in a deathcore creek scenery piece. There's even little markings for what section of the trench it is that look like they are fixed to like signage. So uh. obviously we've got the the, um, the 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 wall of martyrs, but that's getting a bit long in the tooth now. A proper nice modular deathcore creek trench line with a bit of maybe a minefield in front of it would be amazing, wouldn't it? It's really amazing. I'm trying to think on the old Wall of Martyrs. There's not really a ton of space for transfers on there. Those, those transfers won't go on the Wall of Martyrs, guarantee no. you. And the fact that no. it calls out um, Trench and Minefield kind of sounds like the name of a kit. Yeah. So yeah. I've high hopes. Obviously, you know, I had a cheeky look to see if there's any, you know, Death Rider marking. There's nothing like that. It's just generic <laughs> infantry markings, but uh, certainly a sign that I reckon we're going to get some more Krieg kits on top of these infantry. Well, the last so, time, um, Imperial Guard, we got the, um, was it the Scions? The Tempesta Scions, yeah. Well, they got flushed out, didn't they? So, mm. So yeah, so we've got high hopes for a future range. Uh, in addition to that, you get a load of cards and templates and tokens and dice and stuff. We'll talk about those in the main review proper. We've talked about the miniatures enough. Let's go into the actual rules. Now, Kill Team, in the past, and I think it's fair to say we all felt the same, it was like a diluted, watered-down version of 40k, wasn't it? 40k yeah. light with half the mechanics taken out. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. Well... Games Workshop have addressed that issue and created an entirely new game from the ground up. It is based in the 40k universe, but it is no longer based on the 40k engine as such, uh, which is which is really exciting. So essentially, a, a game of um, Kill Team takes place around four turning points. So turning point is what they call a turn in Kill Team, and there is no more, no less. There's always four of those. Each of those four turning points have three phases. First of all, you've got the initiative phase where you roll for priority. Priority rolls in 40k. What madness is this? <laughs> um, I, well, I've said it in the past. I think it's a good mechanic. Um, in Kill Team, arguably, it has less impact on you than it does in AOS because you're alternating actions, as we'll see in a little bit. But I, I don't know. I, I think an initiative roll is quite exciting. I don't know about you guys. I don't they think it mixes it up and i think it makes it works with a skirmish game doesn't it i mean it works with age, age sigma but i think it really works with a skirmish game i guess yeah. i guess in a skirmish game if you go first and take out three models on the enemy's warbands that could be like three quarters of their warband so they can't do much in turn two so i think a almost lord of the rings you go i go type mechanic i think uh, you know it, it, uh, you go i go activations is a good call for this sort of small scale yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that initiative really impacts the smaller scale game. So obviously, so, you say in Age of Sigma, it's, it can be a big deal, can it? So. Yeah, I mean, I guess the main thing it, it can impact is that obviously we, we you take turns activating activating operatives, so you 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 haven't got the situation where. Jay's got priority. He wiped out Andy's army before Andy can do anything. However, there could be a critical shot lined up or something where if Jay gets priority, he could take out, I don't know, the one guy from Andy's army who's got the objective, which suddenly throws Andy's plans into disarray. But equally, 
if Andy had the priority, he could maybe take out that sniper before he can shoot him. So I think it's going to be even more exciting on who gets that priority role in games. I don't use team. snipers. I don't use snipers. Andy's not going to be taking out my sniper. I'll be getting <laughs> right close to Andy with a flamer. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so then we've got the, um, the the other key thing with the initiative is that the person who's got priority decides what order simultaneous effects take place as well. Which again is... Oh, that could it, be interesting. It, well, you see, that's it. It's just a line in the rule book. But actually, if you think about a game, quite a few things crop up where things happen at the same time. So having the ability to decide that order is quite powerful, really. Is there so, any trade-off sort of mechanic in losing priority? Do you get, a, like, in Age of Sigmar, you'll get an extra command point? Nope, nope. You, you, there's no benefits to not having priority. So, I suppose uh, other than... Uh, you get to react, to I guess. Bit. Yeah, you get to react. And there's other bits that we'll talk about in a bit where actually there might be a bit of an advantage for you, but there's no kind of hard currency that you get for doing it. Got you, yeah. Speaking of command points and the like, the next we've got the strategy phase. And this works pretty much like the hero phase or the command phase in 40k. You generate a command point and it's only one command point. And to be fair, most games you'll only start with two command points. So you've got quite a limited pool. You can then choose to play strategic ploy and again this will start with the person who's got priority they can play a strategic ploy and then their opponent can and you alternate until you're both finished now strategic ploys are essentially stratagems that are turn long so it might be a turn long all your guys have plus one to shoot or all your guys have got plus one cover so really really powerful but what you got to bear in mind is that there's also tactical ploys which are your reactive ones that you do do join a game so it's whether you spend your very limited pool of command points to do these army-wide buffs turn-wide army-wide buffs or you keep hold of some on the off chance that you'll be able to counter your opponent or catch them unawares and i think it'll take a few games to kind of like find the balance of that how many command points do you need to keep hold of like if you think even just a command re-roll is so important in 40k yeah. you know do, do you want to use all three of your command points turn one on army-wide turn-wide buffs to make you do as much damage as you can the first turn or do you hold on to some to to use these reactive ones when you need to and i think that's another nice distinction between the two different flavors of command abilities that we've got there yeah yeah um what you also do at the end of the strategy phase is reveal any tack ops cards that you want to so secondaries work a bit like 40k but quite a bit different so in 40k, obviously, you pick your secondaries around your, your army, especially in match play. You know, there's there's choices that are going to be good for you, choices that aren't going to be as good for you. In Kill Team, you get three army-specific objectives, and you also get a deck of cards with some generic uh, objectives. You make a, a deck of six cards, six objectives that you think you can achieve. At the start of the game, you shuffle those together and you draw two, pick one and discard one. Draw another two, pick one and discard one, and then draw the final two, pick one and discard one, giving you a pack of three semi-randomised objectives. So I quite like that. You've got some structure on which six that you pick, but you can't bank on which ones you get. And equally, your opponent has no idea what was in either the six that you started with or the three that you've got. Meaning yeah. that you can really... And because you've, yes, there's the army specific ones, but everybody's got the same kind of generic bank of missions. You can try and play games with them, make it look like you're trying to achieve another objective. And then actually 
your guy who's been sneaking off by himself is in a position to do the objective that you've actually got in your hand. Yeah, that, that, that definitely gives the feeling of the special forces sort of vibe. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the strategy phase, you there's some objectives where you have to reveal it then. Um, but the idea, I guess, is that you've already got yourself into position to score that objective. So I think that's going to make objectives a lot more exciting. And like you say, it adds to the cinematic kind of feel of these spec ops teams striking out and doing their tasks before jumping back on their strike cruiser and getting out of there. Mm. So after that, that. um, after that, we've got the firefight phase. In the firefight phase, you alternate picking an operative and then doing some actions with them. First thing you do when you activate someone is you pick which state they're in, either conceal or engage. Like we said earlier, there's pros and cons to both of them. And then you've got a pool of action points to do actions with. So everything in the game has got an action point cost. You can't do the same action twice unless some special rule lets you. So move, for example, is one action point. Dashing is an action point. So there's no concept of run in in kill team. You, you, You move your movement value. And then dash is a separate action that lets you move a little bit further. Right. So it makes it makes the run quite expensive in that, generally speaking, you're only getting like a third of your movement extra, but that could be just enough to jump behind cover or something. And I guess you can imagine units like Gene Steelers and things like that, uh, Hawkins perhaps, getting different benefits to that kind of movement or... Well, this is, is it. They could, add, they could add. So, so these are all the generic ones, but some data sheets have got special actions that only they can do. Right. So, okay. for example, if the, and this is just made up off the top of my head, if there was a fleet of foot action, that might be a slightly better dash because to represent the fact that they're quicker. Yeah. Equally, charges are um, essentially your movement plus two is your charge. There's no random rolls for charges. You know how far you can go. Okay, that's good. That's good. Dave likes that. Yeah. Yeah, I do like that, yeah. You can't charge after moving or dashing or falling back. So again, really a charge is something you set up the turn before. But again, because you're alternating actions, if if Jay sees Dave setting up a charge, he could make sure that his guy's more than eight inches away so he can't charge him. Yeah. Like like Lord of the Rings, proper kind of tactical thought on your positioning on the battlefield, which is really We're gonna struggle. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's lots, lots of different things that they can do. Um, you can pick up items, you can interact with things. All of these cost action points. On average, most things have got two action points to play with. Some units have got more. Some units have got a way of sacrificing their own action points to give them to somebody else. Oh wow, I like stuff like that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, shooting and shooting and combat um, cost action points as well. But because you can do these actions in any order. You could, for example, use your first action point to shoot and then your second action point to run behind cover. Right. Yeah. OK, so you've got to get out of the 40K mentality of move, shoot, combat. Yeah. Or say if you've got a custodian in combat, he could use his first action point to punch somebody, kill him and then use his second action point to shoot someone. <laughs> and kill him as well. And kill him as well. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's so, so, yeah, I think one of the traps will be playing it as if it's 40K. I think you need to have a proper digest of the rules and just... Just get all the different intricacies and stuff, but it, it's it, it's a different game, which is really fun. Where we see the biggest difference is in combat. So shooting starts off very much like 40k. You pick a target, your gun will have a number of dice. You roll those dice. 
you're looking for a score equal or more than your ballistic skill. So for ease, let's say you've got ballistic skill of four plus, you've got three dice, you roll a three, a four and a six. One of those is missed, two of them is hit. So far, so 40k. Where it gets different is that every roll of a six is a critical hit. That represents a shot that's hit a weak point. It does more damage and it's harder to dodge as well. Right. Every operative has got a defense value. That is a number of dice that they roll when making saving throws. So say, Dave, you've got a guy with a defense value of three. If Jay shoots you and hits once, you roll three dice. If Andy shoots you and hits six times, you roll three dice. There's no concept of rolling against each save. That value represents how agile you are at jumping out the way or, or how good your armor is. Right. OK, cool. So you will have a save value, say five plus, for example. You roll those three dice. For each five, each you know success, standard success, you can negate one of the hits that the shooter's made. There is, however, the concept of criticals, though. So say if Jay shot you with a six, Dave, yeah. you could use two of your standard successes to negate that save. You have to use two because it's a critical shot. It's harder to dodge. However, there's the concept of critical saves as well. So a roll of your six could negate one of his sixes. Ooh, okay. So yeah, so it's 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 quite cool that you you you're looking for these sixes to trigger cool abilities, and you know, if say Jay got six, three hits of six and you rolled two saves, standard save, you can only negate one of those hits that he's done. The other two will then do more damage because they're criticals. So right, there's a, right. a a lot more intricacy um, and fun stuff that interacts with it. AP exists, but that reduces the number of defense dice you get rather than your save value. Okay. So, so that's cool, and that, that kind of represents the the fact that you know a, a heavily armored but less agile person might have a better save value but get less defense dice because it's easy to shoot him but not necessarily get through that armor. But still, if you shoot him four times, it's going to take some damage. So. Yeah. It, obviously, it wouldn't work in a mass combat game because you'd be there working out stuff forever. Because you've only got a maximum of like 10 guys on each side, you can go to that bigger level of detail, which is fun. Yeah. Every operative, when they hit their halfway kind of wound points, so if you start with eight and you take four wounds, your movement, your weapon skill and your ballistic skill drops to represent the fact that you're in a bad shape. Mm-hmm. And then there's medics in the game who can heal you up. They they they'll want to want to get out of dodge and start hiding, and maybe they'll go into the cover state so people can't see them, giving yeah. you time to get your medic over there and heal them. So again, it's we, we've used Infinity as an example. It's not quite as in depth as Infinity, but it adds a little bit more of that level of stuff going on in the battle, which is cool. I think now, what what you mentioned earlier, Matt, in regards to like the upgrades and stuff on Spree. <clears throat> it definitely sounds like it's going to be a lot more interesting if you've got a diverse nature of the models, such as the scions of your medics and your genius of the cults and stuff, where you, you've got more more freedom to convert and things. I, I'd be kind of tempted to stay away from the space marines and stuff and go for those um, normal guardsmen and things. Yeah, I mean, really, the the only kits that have got that like level of loads of options is the Krieg and the Commandos. I think every 40k kit going forward will be created with Kill Team in mind, with all these different options you can give them, because it makes for a much more interesting game. 
and you know a lot of the kits you know we've talked about eldar a while ago imagine if they brought a new eldar guardian kit but then it also had options of building these different operatives for kill team as well yeah exactly not only could you use them to spice up your units but then you've got lots of different essentially a box gives you 10 different operatives for games of kill team which is really cool close combat again is completely different than than ranged combat in in a scrappy fight between two people doesn't matter how agile you are doesn't matter what army you've got if you get hit in the face with a power fist you're going down equally if you're a swashbuckling type with a power sword you might be able to deflect some blows before the opponent manages to get a shot on you so combat both people will roll their attacks at the same time and you've got the same concept standard standard hits over your uh, weapon skill for hits six is a critical hits so say for example um i don't know jay you're fighting dave you roll four dice a one a two and a four and a six and dave you're defending you roll a one a four and a six the one and the two on both sides drop away because you've missed that leaves jay with a, a standard hit and a critical hit and dave with a standard hit and a critical hit how the combat works is that the person who initiated combat gets to pick to either strike in which case they can pick a standard dice or a critical dice to do damage to the opponent with a critical dice doing more damage or instead they can choose to pick one of their dice to nullifying one of their opponent's dice so if i don't know jay had four wounds left and he knew that Dave's strikes, critical strike would do four wounds to him, but his standard strike would only do three. Jay could use his six that he's rolled to nullify Dave's six. Because then when it comes to Dave's turn, if Dave decides to just hit Jay, it's not going to kill him. Equally, though, in Dave's turn, if he's looking a bit wounded, he could choose to nullify the four that Jay's got remaining on his side. And basically, you keep going back and forth until each side's got no dice left. So you can play completely defensively and just block all the opponent's blows or just go in and a flurry of attacks, trying to do as much damage as you can before you get taken out. So have I understood this correctly then? When you're in 40k, I'll roll my dice, I'll attack, I'll figure out what my hits are, I'll figure out what damage I do, you take your saves, your models are removed. Then you might get a chance to fight me back. It sounds like here both models are fighting at the same time regardless of whose turn it is. Yeah, so, so... so in, in, in close combat, you're both fighting simultaneously, making a strike or parry one after the other. And you use That's your pool amazing. of dice to represent the, the kind of whether you're defending or attacking. And you could just go, right, I'm not going to bother parrying any of Dave's blows because I might be able to kill him before he gets to make his wow. strike on me. That's, that sort of makes me really want to play a close combat type kill team because that sounds like a really interesting mechanic yeah. uh, infinity it, does something similar with like confrontational roles where i might lean around a corner shoot a, a guy down a corridor and then uh, you may react with, oh well i'm going to shoot back and you roll against each other to see who's more successful in that in that firefight and it sounds like they've brought that kind of mechanic across here to kill team which is brilliant yeah exactly you you you, you could hit with like six hits jay but only have one wound left so really yeah. If you make a strike, you're not going to kill Dave, and then Dave will kill you with his strike. So you might have to use a few of your dice, parrying his blows first. Oh, that sounds so cool! I can just—I've just got like images of like corn berserkers just raining, hammering down blows with no thought to their own safety, and then you've got like, you know, guardsmen. Well, I can, there's no way I can I can penetrate that corn berserker's armor. I'm just going to parry from life here, and, and you know, weight of numbers trying to 
That's so cool. Yeah, and obviously, again, in a in a in a mass battle game, it takes about two hours to do the combat phase. But because you've got a handful of models, you can have that extra detail of li- literally blow by blow the fight. That's really cool, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely sounds like they're they're trying to increase the interactivity between players, and that to me sounds really enjoyable. Well, I, I know, like, in mass games, it's easier just to roll your hits and your wounds and do your armor saves and stuff like that. But looking at the combat, it's almost a game within a game. Yeah, exactly. And and that sounds really fun. Like like you were saying, Jay, where you attempted to to do, like, a, a combat kill team. I think going forwards, looking at kill team as, like, a new player, I definitely want at least one or two operatives in my warbands that are or dedicated to combat because of how fun it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And this is it. You, you will want to have your dedicated strike team with all specialists doing things. And that, I don't think the previous edition of Kill Team captured the feeling of a Spec Ops team going out to do special missions. No, I don't think it did. I think they tried to get you to kind of name all your characters and, and give them their own traits and stuff that really paid no part into how they played in the game. Uh, this, this is completely different. This this gets my attention um, because it sounds a lot more like it's going to be driving the narrative of the battles. Yeah, I can just it's... see some amazing fights with like a space marine sergeant against like a chaos space marine aspiring champion. It's going to be so cool. One's got a power fist. One's got a power sword, chain axe. Yeah, wow. and and as you've got a, a larger pool of wounds, these fights could go on for a few turns. And because of the the the, the kind of activation thing, it, you know, someone could scarper from a fight and then maybe shoot from cover while the guy's advancing on them, ready to f- do the finishing blow. I think there'll be some really cinematic moments in the games. And I can't yeah, yeah. wait to play it. It's so good. Um, obviously, line of sight is, is where it gets a bit more complex because it's all based on how close you are to a piece of scenery and how close your opponent is to a piece of scenery. The, ascent, the short version is essentially if there's a barricade in front of you and, and you're near it, there's still a chance that somebody can shoot you because they can see you. Where if you're further back from it, that barricade's in the way. So the whole concept of obscuring and cover that I won't go into in here because it's it's a little bit more complicated. But that's where the conceal state comes in. Where if you meet those certain conditions, you cannot. It's, no one can draw a line of sight to you because you are actively hiding. And again, that's something that doesn't really exist in 40k either. No. So yeah, so that's really fun. Now, there's a final action that you've got is a special action that is only activated if your opponent has still got actions to make, but it would be your turn to make an action. So this really only comes up where you are outnumbered. So say, Dave, you've got 10 orcs. Jay, you've got four custodies. Once you've made an action with each of your custodies, essentially, Dave would be able to make six activations one after the other, which, again, it imbalanced the game a little bit. So what they've done to counter that is that whenever it would be your turn to make an action, but your opponent's got models left to activate, one of your guys can make an overwatch shot. So overwatch doesn't exist as a concept like it does in 40k, where it's a reaction to charging. This is more your guys with their backs against the wall, taking a lucky shot against the overwhelming odds against them. So they're getting a bit, they're getting a bit panicky. That represents the minus one to hit, but they're kind of like, they've got faith. They're making these lucky shots to try and get out of this scrape. 
which again is is a really nice balancing mechanic because technically as you get outnumbered your guys start making more shots out of cover panic shots panic shots yeah which which is really good but that could change the tide of the battle each operative can only make one overwatch shot but again in that scenario that we had technically every one of jay's custodians would be able to make an overwatch shot reacting against uh, dave's forces advancing so there's loads of fun stuff like that which i think is uh, really really good um there's concepts of like traversable scenery and vantage points if you're on a vantage point you can see over kind of barricades and stuff but you yourself are exposed so there's a bit more complexity and depth to the terrain which i think needs to be when you've got this you know the terrain rules in 40k are a little bit abstract to represent the fact that you've got a blob of guys where it's one model where that model stands matters because if you're standing on top of a pipe or behind a pipe that makes a big difference doesn't it yeah have they so, have they borrowed any rules from like necromundo in that regard then or is it a different kind of system it's, again it's, it's, it, again it's 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 different it's different okay. you, know, you can jump across stuff you can scale up stuff one thing that i haven't touched on is that everything in the game is measured in in symbols so the star circle square hexagon they all represent the facings on the range rulers which are for simple terms one two three and six inches so it's easily translated into into like tape measurable uh, sizes but because you're on a small uh, battlefield honestly using the markers is an easier way to move you know a standard guy has normally got a movement of three square which is three times two now in our 40k mentality we think well that's six inches isn't it well not strictly because that is technically three separate two inch moves to represent the fact that you're scaling up stuff or dodging behind things any wasted movement in one of those movements is lost you can't just add it together to a six inch movement okay and that's so yeah so it's it's quite it's quite interesting how it works it sort of makes more sense as you use it on paper it seems a bit over the top unnecessary but in an actual real life experience you've found that it actually works yeah exactly and you can, if, if you don't like the templates you can use tape measures but i think honestly it's easier to work out you know we, we've all kind of wrapped a tape measure around to kind of represent how to do it you can do that fine with three two inch moves essentially gets the same thing but arguably is more accurate i was going to say yeah especially in like small games when you're when you've got quite a lot of scenery in one place wrapping that tape measure around corners and stuff like that yeah i, I can understand why it'd be easier with an actual template rather than a tape measure and stuff yeah you know marvel, marvel crisis protocol does that um, where marvel crisis protocol does it wrong is that they're not actually like clean measurements so at least 40k have made it so these do translate to a tape measure but it's actually easy to do it with the the little markers that you've got so i think that's a really good touch now moving on to the ways of playing uh the game like with all games which games split into the three ways of playing open play is very very bare bare bones it is literally create your own objectives create your own special rules go at it mm-hmm. <laughs> match play which some would argue is the default way of playing 40k and aos in this honestly i think uh, narrative play is the way to go but um so match play essentially you pick a roster of 20 operatives from that list of operatives you can then make your kill team 
So basically, you'll, you'll establish what the mission is. You'll establish the, the layout of the board. You'll know what the objective is. You'll know what the deployment zones are. And then at that point, you will create your kill team out of your list of 20 guys that you've brought with you. And I believe Jay, um, Infinity does something similar, doesn't it? Yeah, you know what your mission is because you've got different specialists. Uh, you've got different models with different capabilities. You may have an objective where you've got to assassinate a model on the, the enemy's um, side of the board, in which case you're looking for your best assassins. You would leave your engineers and things at home. Um, yeah, so that, that and again, that ties into sort of the, the feeling that you are putting together a special forces warband for all intents and purposes with a specific mission objective in mind. And, and a special forces unit would select the war gear they need, the kind of skill sets they need going on that kind of mission. Yeah, and what's cool is once you've once you've then created your kill team and you've seen what your opposing kill team is, you then make your attack ops deck. So you've got it, it. It's really slick the way it works. You'll know what the general objective is. You'll pick your team. You'll see what you're facing, and then you'll make your attack ops deck, and then from that hope that you get three, you know, good ones that you can do. That was going to be my question. Yeah, because if you've got twenty operatives, you you might. It's going to affect what people you actually put in your your roster isn't it it's going to affect what you actually use in the game but knowing that you get to pick that before you then pick your tactical objective deck that's that's very interesting yeah you know and they've got choices to make like actually maybe i'll leave the medic at home for this mission and take another heavy gunner or something typical matt i know um so yeah and then and then finally you've got the scouting phase so this is kind of like rock paper scissors each player will pick one of three options. Fortify, infiltrate, recon. Fortify lets you set up an additional barricade within the drop zone. Every player starts with a couple of barricades that they can set up first anyway. Infiltrate lets you change an order when you come to activate someone. Uh, because when you deploy them on the battlefield, you set them into engage or cover. So you could then maybe say, oh, well, Jay's put an active sniper on top of a hill, so... I'll swap that guy's action into cover so he can't get shot. And then recon lets you do a free dash with an operative within your deployment zone. So they've all got different benefits. But in a rock, paper, scissors style thing, fortify beats infiltrate, infiltrate beats recon, recon beats fortify. And that determines who gets the first turn. Okay. So the bit of a sub game there where you might pick something based on what you think your opponent's going to get in order to get the first turn. There's no like arbitrary roll off turn one or something, but equally you might not be getting the best benefit for doing that. So I think that's quite an interesting way around determining who gets the first turn rather than who deploys first or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's very mind games with that, and I like that. Yeah, arguably, I'd like to see something like that in AOS rather than who finishes deploying first. <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's match play. But then where it really shines is spec ops narrative play. So this is the equivalent of crusade or path to glory and in reality it's kind of a blend of the two of them so you start off with a kill team just the kill team um so out of the various army lists and stuff you construct that kill team they'll be your guys you name them you give them all your quirks as part of your army list you also um pick a base of operations so it could be a strike cruiser in orbit it could be an orc base somewhere out in the wilderness and over the course of the game you'll be able to upgrade that base of operations, give it a med bay maybe, which can heal people that get injured, or give it an engineering bay that can build fortifications for you and send them down to the planet. Very much like the, um, what are they called in AOS, Path to Glory? 
stronghold stuff. Like the stronghold, yeah, like the stronghold. So that kind of thing. And I think that's really, really cool. Other than that, it's pretty much like um, both of those systems. Your guys will get experience, they'll level up. You'll have overarching missions like the quests in um, Path to Glory, where maybe you're trying to get additional operatives or you're trying to get some technology or you're trying to upgrade your facility. And then over the course of doing those missions, you can add different operatives to your roster. And again, just like in match play, you then select your kill team out of those operatives. Really, really cool system. Different experience trees for every type of fighter as well. So there's combat, staunch, marksman and scout. And presumably there'll be army specific ones as well. So each type of fighter will have their own experience tree where they get new skills from. Where in Path to Glory and um, Crusade, it's more of a generic list, isn't it? And some some results don't really fit the the fighter that you've got. With this one, your 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 crack shot sniper is going to get sniper specific skills. So yeah, I, I really like it. There's battle scars as well, where you know you can get injuries, you can get slain, you can have the guy completely removed from the roster if it all goes bad. All the stuff that we've come to love from Path to Glory and Crusade, but in skirmish 10-man gunfights which is really cool uh equally over the course of the campaign you can get special equipment as well um it gives them generic names but it encourages you to rename them so a thermal site for example if you're astro militarum you might call it a photothermic bioreceptor instead mm. just yeah. you know encouraging you to, to do it and then you can get this this gear basically stays in your your um, base of operations you can issue it out to your guys as they go on missions so yeah really really like it i think that's a really fun thing and personally i'd play all missions of kill team as spec ops because i think that's going to be a load of fun from your uh, sort of 10 or 15 minutes on that part of the the kill team i think i'm with you on that matt i think you've sold me if uh, i think we're living in an age of narrative games aren't we because since the arrival of ninth, you know, we, we were taken back by uh, the, the the Crusade content and then Age of Sigmar came and Path to Glory and we were like, yes, this, this works really well. And now, obviously, the narrative play of Kill Team, we are living in an age of narrative, aren't we? Yeah, what I really hope we see is that we get a supplement that lets you tie your Kill Teams into your Crusade. That would be cool. Where you could take your strike team as operatives and use them in the wider game of 40k maybe with some special abilities to represent the cool kind of stuff that they can do you could almost have like a board set up alongside your 40k battle <clears throat> so you've got your ultramarines fighting your tyranids and then on the board next door next you've got a tyrannic veteran kill team against some gene stealers and things that are going on you know the ultramarines managed to capture the uh, satellite uplink station so on your kill team board you're able to do some orbital bombardments which might disrupt or you know things like that that'd be cool yeah that'd be that'd be really really fun i can see linked battles going on like that you maybe maybe rules for midway through a crusade you send your kill team out to do some spec ops mission yeah i think that'd be really fun and then finally in the core book we get a list of um 18 sorry we get nine we get nine missions in the core book and then we get another nine missions in the Octarius book we'll quickly touch on the octarius book because i know it's been a long segment already but essentially this is a, a campaign book similar to what we've seen for charadon but obviously based around kill team you get a load of lore about what's happening in octarius 
Um, so we, we basically know the, 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 the kind of background of it. Inquisitor Crippman had a genius idea to wipe out both the Orcs and the Tyranids by sending them at each other. Unfortunately, that didn't work out so well, and all he did was make both the Orcs and the Tyranids even stronger. So the Imperiums had to deploy to Octarius to sort this out, because, um, yeah, rather than weakening two enemies, he's just made them both really strong. Ah, oh, Crippman in, in, in the Inquisition. <laughs> Thinking had, they know everything. He had, he had good intentions. Yeah, well, he's now got beast snaggers and massive Tyranid beasties. <laughs> um, so the, the and the Death Corps of Krieg are the um, the Imperial force that's been deployed because you know they're hard as nails and they ain't no, they ain't scared of no Tyranids and orcs, and they've been sent to do some more recon and scouting missions to see what's going on, and that's where the, the kill team comes in. And essentially, this book acts as an army list for both the um, the Astra Militarum veterans, which is what the Krieg models uh, represent and the Orc Commandos and all their options. They get their special objectives, all that kind of stuff's in here. Uh, same as you would get in a um, in a codex, I guess. And then you get another nine missions based around the Octarius War. Um, these missions, it specifies where scenery goes and they're a bit more in depth. So what I'd say is maybe first time playing, I'd maybe do the Octarius missions because that's very much balanced around the content of this box, where the core book is more your general free for all bring any other army so yeah that is a super rapid fire look at kill team um octarius i am so impressed with this and can honestly say that i think i'd be more likely to want to play a quick game of kill team rather than a big game of 40k at the minute yeah i i've definitely started to go that way where i prefer playing smaller games than, than bigger games and this kill team sounds like that gives that to me but also you you get the depth of it being a small skirmish game as well yeah you know you've you've only got about 10 guys each side but every every model counts and if you start losing bodies then things are going to go wrong the the narrative side works just like crusade and path to glory and we all know how fun that is even like naming your strike cruiser and adding extra facilities to it as the campaign goes on i think that's really fun and if you know if you know anything from what we've seen for 40k and AOS, they're bound to bring out more expansions that build on that as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the bo- the box is 125 pounds, which I know it is expensive, but you get so much stuff for that. Um. Thankfully, which I didn't think they'd do when I wrote the review, is that the core book is available separately if you're not interested in all that, which I think is a good option for people who maybe don't want to, you know, splurge the. I think they're they're also releasing all the templates in a pack as well, aren't they? So that's it, yeah. All yeah, the, all you the... can literally just pick up the book and the templates, and you you're good to go with the armies that you already have. That's it. All of all the bits that you'd need, the templates, the cards, and the book would cost you sixty two pounds to buy those. So it's at that point where whether for an extra sixty pounds you get two armies and an entire board worth of scenery. Arguably, I'd say it's yeah. worth it. But obviously, you know, depends on situations, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, sadly, it's not going to be around forever. I think it's really good that they're opening up this pre-order period that anybody can get one if they want it within those two weeks. I think as well, actually, you know, I mean, and this is uh, Kill Team sort of has a record that we might see different versions of this box in future with different forces in and different scatter scenery. But Uh, this is it. If, if, If the concept is each time a new army comes out, we also put out a kit that works for Kill Team. Every couple of armies that could bring out another box with a different kill zone of scenery and two different forces and i think that'd be really good again it gives 
early adopters the chance to get both those forces and the rule book in a nice you know contained box but equally means that there's always some flavor of starter box out there as well yeah 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 so i I do i do think it sounds like a really um a, a really fun system i think it sounds like one of those that will completely sell me on it when i've actually had a game when all those rules that you've just you've just mentioned you're actually rolling for them and you see how it works in person i think that's what's really going to grab me um because at the moment as cool as it sounds um i would probably still prefer a game 40k but i think once i've had a game it will sell sell it to me yeah one of the things i mentioned in the review is that obviously we're all at the age where we've got work and other commitments after work and there's limited time to play games arguably it's easier to play a small game that's going to take an hour or two rather than a big game that's going to take three or four hours yeah, yeah the, the nice thing that i really like the, the look of with kill team and stuff like the small skirmisher games is that you can paint up a, a small group of models that you might not normally want to do a full-blown army for like i'm i'm looking at the starter box and i don't think i really have any intention of doing an astro military mode but i like the look of the creek and Similarly with the, the orcs as well. I look at the commandos and you don't get much more orky than those commandos. But again, I don't know if I really want to do a full-blown orc army. Yeah, so I, and I think that might be the genius of Kill Team as well, especially if like we're speculating they bring out these boxes regularly. Hmm. You, you could just you could just buy a box and that's your Kill Team and that's what, 30 quid commitment? Without having to go out and buy an entire army, that's accessible gaming right there. I mean, you might want to end up buying a whole army. Well, that's the master plan, isn't it? You play a few games of Kill Team and think, oh, actually, I might want to expand this into a crusade, especially if Games Workshop bring out rules linking them, which they'd be mad not to. Yeah, they've done that with Warcry, haven't they? They brought out Mm. the Warcry war brands, and then when their specific factions got battle terms, they just put them into the battle term with, with rules, didn't they? So I imagine they're probably do the same thing with these kill teams in the new codexes and stuff coming out. That's right. So one of the things I was a bit concerned about was building the models so they couldn't be used in 40k. The new Orc Codex has options for everything on that sprue. You'll have a random assortment of stuff and it'll be maybe more points than an optimised unit, but it is legal, which is really good to see. You're not going to build a squad and then not be able to use it in 40k proper. That's good. I like that. Excellent. Uh, that's uh, that's a really good run through, Matt. It it definitely sounds like a really fun system. Uh, it already sounds like a massive improvement on the the last kill team system. Uh, they just didn't really do it for any of us, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to read uh, a full detailed review of kill team, um, then check out Matt's review on smoothandbrews.com. Again, the link will be in the podcast notes. I believe you've also done an unboxing and review video as well, Matt. That's right, yeah, going through the whole contents and uh, you get a good look at all the miniatures fully built and painted as well on that video. So, yeah, make sure to check it out. And we'll be doing a, uh, a battle report tomorrow. We will be, yeah. So by the time this podcast goes out, you may already have been able to see the orcs face the death core of Krieg. But don't, but don't worry, if you do if you do miss um, watching it live because the podcast has, has only just come out, it will be able to be watched on youtube uh, at later date so so don't worry um you'll still be able to check out thanks um, 
I'll, I'll, I think we're best like Matt go and get a drink, haven't we? Uh, and get his um, his voice back after that mammoth section. Um, but we're not done with the podcast quite yet because we do have our weekly top three. We're up next. It is time for this week's top three. And for this week's top three, we're going to be looking at old classic slash retro models, ideally from the 80s, 90s. But we're opening the field to just turn retro. So there's going to be a real mix of models, I think, in this week's top three. I'm going to start us off this week with my third choice. And I think this will get approval from UJ. So um, I actually I actually struggled with this week's top three because my memory is absolutely awful. But as soon as I thought classic miniature, and I actually have this model knocking around somewhere, I always think of Elfarian the Blind holding his greatsword. Oh, yeah. That um, was um, when did that model come out now? Because I'm not sure if that so, was like a limited edition release or something like that. I think it was. So I tried to find out all the years of release on these models in my top three, and I can only find the War Griffin version was in 1992. So whether or not it was around that time, no, it was later earlier, than that. Yeah, it, it, was was probably, later. it was a couple of books later than that where they released him on foot. It was like right. sixth edition, maybe. Right. Right. right yeah. Okay. But I do, I do remember him coming out along because I think there was a Malice Dark Blade character that came out around the same time, I think, or or a Dark Elf sort of character. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if it was because they released a few models around the um, what was the Storm, Storm of Chaos was it called? Mm. I think it was before that even. But yeah, he was an ace model. He I, I painted him up. I don't know what happened to him. I I, I had him in my High Elf army for a while. Yeah, such a cool model, Dave. Yeah, good, good shout. Yeah. Um, Matt, what is your third choice? So my third choice is the plastic Wood Elf Archer kit, but not the one that came out, I say, a couple of years ago, probably about 10 or 15 years ago. No, 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 no. This is the old one. that I think it had eight models in the box. It was very green, the box. And this is oh, mid-90s, I imagine. And this is the first box that I ever bought from a games workshop. So very nostalgic. The sculpts are terrible. They were terrible at the time because they all had the exact same pose. Uh, and arguably the metal ones that were around were, were nicer. But it was £5 for like eight archers. So you could easily fill out your like required core units for your Wood Elf Force. Uh, I painted them with like Humbrol paints and absolutely ruined them. But I loved those models at the time. So a nostalgic number three for me. Yeah, very good show. I I wasn't really into the hobby back then, um, but I really wish I was. It's great value. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, Jay, what is your third choice? Well, when we when we had this um, top three come up, um, I went upstairs and I grabbed my eighth edition Craftworld Eldar Codex. I thought this would be a good source of material. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then I realised that it actually predated the 80s, 90s time band they were going for, so I had to put it back, unfortunately. No, my my first model, um, it's going to be, it, it's one of my favourite um, sort of units from the Craft World Eldar. Um, my favourite sort of um, like concept of a unit. Uh, I did never have much luck with them when I use them. Never, never have much luck with them when I use them. And I really hope they get some sort of buff going forward when they, when they eventually get looked at again. Um, and Games Workshop, they've released a Plastic Eldrad Ulfwin, uh, which is an amazing model. The, the plastic, it came out in a Death Watch versus 
Craftwell Del Harquins box, I think, with Eldred. Was, yeah. yeah. Set in the He's, warp way. Yeah, where Eldred went a bit rogue and nearly destroyed the Eldred. But yeah, he stole all the Farseer crystal statues, I believe. Um, they've got a really nice, they had a new um, um, Wraith oh, Spirit Seer sort of plastic model that was released. Uh, which he sort of like communes with the Ghost Warriors. Really nice plastic kit. You had the new plastic jet bikes, which had the the um, the um, Farseer and Warlock you could make on top. But they never redid the Warlock on foot. And I have got upstairs so many different variations of the Warlock on foot, going all the way back to like I don't know second edition Eldar. I think I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Really old models of Eldar um, um, Warlocks. Um, right the way through to they released a seer council with some warlocks in um, back. Oh, this was in the Ayaterra campaign. I've got warlocks that predate them. Um, and I just think they're really, really nice models with their goat. Well, they don't have ghost helms, but they have like the, the stylized helms. They're all wearing like robes. They've got their uh, witch blades and witch spears. Um, and no, spirit seer. Are they spirit seer? Spirit spears and... Singing Spears, sorry, Singing Spears and Witchblades. Um, I, I really love them to do. And I guess, you know, we're talking about Kill Team, we're talking about potential model releases going forward. And we were talking, I think, the other day about this, Matt, a spirit, a, a Seer Council box, where you can make all these different variations of Warlocks. Oh, imagine uh, if it was a Seer Council box that could make a Kill Team as well. Oh, yeah, that'd be so cool. Um, yeah, so so I'm going for the good old Craft World Warlock. Excellent. Uh, Andy? What is your third choice? Um, well, to carry on from Jay, we're talking about elves. My elf, or my third choice, is more of a fantasy setting. And I'm, I'm a big sucker for elite units. And when I was growing up, I had... I, I loved Dark Elves. Absolutely loved them. But I never did the army. And... With the Dark Elves, one thing that really stuck out to me were the Black Guard, but not the current plastic ones, because obviously they're quite new, but the old metal monopose Black Guard. Are these ones with the halberds? Yeah, the halberds yeah. Are off to one side. Amazing. On the little 20 mil bases. Yeah. They're probably the same era as those Wood Elf Archers I was talking about earlier. Yeah, it, it, for me, those were the epitome of everything dark elfy. You know, they had the, the eternal hatred rule, and whenever you looked at the models, you kind of felt that with them. <laughs> and for me, I, I really regret that there were some of those models that I wish I'd picked up just five of them just to build and paint and have in my shelf and what have you. And, yeah, for, for me, they, they were always one of those models that, when I was getting into the hobby, I always looked at them and thought, yeah, I, I absolutely love those models. And we're, we're kind of spoiled nowadays where pretty much every model that comes out of Games Workshop is like mind-blowingly good. Um, but for me, the, the Dark Elf Blackguard really stole it for me. Those older models, though, the hand-sculpted ones, they have a bit of charm to them. And um, I've got on my desk behind me... Um, some uh, of the old metal Grey Knight Terminators and Power Armoured Marines. And okay, they're not as big or as proportion, you know, properly proportioned as the plastic Grey Knight Terminators, but they've got a charm to them. Yeah. Equally, you could knock somebody out with them as well. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost chose um, the old white lions for the same. Oh, I really. Yeah. I had a unit and the Phoenix Guard. I thought the Phoenix, the old Phoenix Guard, which pre- the ones before the plastic ones. Yeah. They were really cool. They were very similar to your black guard. The white lines, yeah, the white lines were very good. The old metal white lines. Swordmasters, metal swordmasters. Of course, they only got one plastic kit that replaced them that you could only get in that one box, which I think was on one of Dave's top threes recently. Last week, yeah. yeah the um, Island of Blood. Island of Blood. Yeah. Uh, we're round to our second choices. Uh, so for my second choice, I've decided to go for Warhammer 40k. Um, and I've gone for... The original classic metal stormtroopers for the well, what was the Imperial Guard, the Astromilitarum, and yeah. and these are I'm, I'm gonna send a message to the chat. This doesn't make great podcast, and um, because there were there were um, two lots of old um, stormtroopers. So just to make sure you guys know which ones I am referring to, it's these ones, um, which have a very I, I don't know if this is the right term to use, but like a real Chernobyl kind of feel to them in the suit yeah. that they're wearing. Um, yeah. They remind me of that. What's that game set in Chernobyl? Stalker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not being funny. These guys are definitely look ace in a kill team, keeping it on brand for this week's episode. I'm sure yeah, they would be upstairs, Dave. Yeah. I think they're a really, really cool post. I mean, the metal stormtroopers that replaced them were also, well, they were like the car scheme, weren't they? Car they scheme. were also um, very nice models. Again, Matt would look great in a, a kill team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, my second choice had to go to these guys. I thought, I thought yeah, these they're were really, really, nice. really cool. Yeah, really nice. Would work in an astronaut army now as well. Which I guess, I guess, really, if 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 the Krieg kit is veteran guardsmen, they're I guess the spiritual successors of these with the gas masks yeah. and everything. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're definitely right there. Uh, who was next? It was Matt, wasn't it? Matt, what was your second choice? Well, I'm staying on the Wood Elves because it was like my first army I ever collected, and <laughs> we could not have this list without the old classic tree man with his red nails. He looks tiny now. I've just built a, uh, a Lord Aquila and the, the tree man was probably smaller than him. But at the time, it was a big, impressive model. I mean, we've said this in the past about how games were actually plastic, so they're just way more impressive than even some Forge World kits. Uh, at the time, though, you know, you, you, knew, you knew you meant business when you had a big weighty chunk of metal for your big monster in your army. <laughs> Obviously, it's been replaced by the awesome plastic kit, which is in all ways infinitely better. And it's quite an old kit. And yeah, relatively old kit, yeah. But I've still got a soft spot for that old chunky tree man with his red nails because everything in the area had red on it. How difficult was he to build, Matt? Because he looks like he would be a difficult model to build. It only came in like two parts, Dave. Oh, right, fair enough. (laughs) It wasn't difficult. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, very classic miniature, that one. Uh, Jay, your second choice. My second choice is a weird one because I cannot believe that this kit no longer has rules and no longer has a new model. Oh. Um, and my brother used to have him, and he's such a iconic character for a particular faction that used to have rules up until maybe fifth, sixth edition, perhaps. Maybe he disappeared in seventh. Um, and it's Asdrubale Vect. Hmm. On his special customised raider with the, I can't remember, the palaquin or something I had on top with the slaves next to it. Yeah, um, I forget what it's called. It did have a name. The right? Dias of Destruction, that was it, wasn't That's it? it. Um, and 
he disappeared. He never got a model refresh. And it was about the time, I think, where I, some of the codexes were a bit bland, I think, um, you know, in seventh. And, um, and yeah, and he, he disappeared. And okay, he didn't really fit the, he wasn't up to the sculpting quality of the Dark Eldar refresh that occurred around that time. Um, but he was in that original codex, I believe, with Lady Malice and all, and all those other characters, yeah. the Mandrake special character. And then he disappeared. I'm pretty sure it's seventh he disappeared. And um, I, I mean, I have hope in the future, though we've just had a Dark Eldar codex, I guess. But with characters like the Silent King, Mortarian, Magnus, um, the um, thingy of St. Catherine, yeah. <coughs> Tramp of St. Catherine. Why haven't we seen a new Vect and and his entourage? You know, he could be on a, a, a you know, more <laughs> super heavy sized vehicle, like something like the Tantalus, but reimagined in plastic. Yeah, yeah, be amazing. Would be amazing. Maybe one day soon. But th- this is the thing, though, isn't it? Um, previously, if they got a new book, you'd be like, right, that's it for Dark El- uh, Dark Eldar releases. We're not going to see anything for like two or three years, if if not longer. It's not really that case anymore, is it? All it'll take is like a new supplement uh, or a new event to happen, and we might just get that. Yeah, random just Kakari yeah. character. Yeah, I mean, Vect would be, you know, it'd be very popular. He's a very popular character in the in the law. He's he's like the leader of the Dark Eldar faction. You know, it's yeah. almost like, you know, removing Gulliman from the Space Marine book or something like that. And people would lose their minds if a new Astrobal Vect model came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andy, your second choice, please. So my second choice, again, it, I, I'm going to jump into the 40k universe here for my second choice. And my second choice is my favourite Space Marine unit ever. And that is the Space Marine Terminators. And not oh. the ones which are fairly dynamically posed. We're talking the old Terminators that came on 25 mil bases that looked like they were all doing the robot. <laughs> so funnily enough, behind me on my uh, desk, and I might have to do a Dave and send this through the chat, and I'm sure Dave will stick it up in the podcast notes. I have got a box of um, Citadel Miniatures dated 1980-something of the original Terminators. This is the first time they were released for Rogue <laughs> Trader, 88, 89 um yeah blood angel styles i mean arguably they look terrible compared to the plastic ones but like andy says they've got some charm to them haven't they yeah they've got that nostalgic space marine look to them i know the ones you're on about and the good thing about them was there was lots of those space marine librarians you had the space wolf terminators that were metal in that pose there was even Grey Knight Terminators that predate the Grey Knight Terminators I've got behind me in that sort of style. Hey, in, this, in, the... in, in this box, Jay, you got a whole squad of Terminators and a captain and a librarian. And it probably yeah. cost like a tenner at the time. <laughs> Wouldn't get that nowadays. Yeah, they, stuff. Are, they are classic models. Brill. Right, we are round to our top choices. Um, so my top choice he looks a bit comical now, but um, I think it was a great, great model. And there, there was a point actually when I was trying <laughs> to find him because his rules were cool. That is the old orc war boss on Wyvern. So, oh yeah, on the Wyvern, yeah. So he kind of, I mean, he's been replaced with the the the, the more Christian now, which is much more menacing and a much 
Um, That's Hank the Slaughterer, was it, I think? Yes, I think it was. Yeah. Um, But I really like this model. Um, It's a real classic orcs and goblins um, orc. And the Wyvern, he looks a bit comical now, and especially when you look at some of the new dragons that the Stormcast are getting uh, and big monsters. I'd argue, like he, he looks ace. I'd argue that the new vulture is a spiritual successor of him rather than the more crusher. You think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but I, I still think it's a real classic, cool model. Um, and um, yeah, kind of wish I had no orcs and goblins army back in the day, so I could have had him in my collection. Classic model. Uh, Matt, your top choice. Well, my top choice is um, one of the first 40k models I bought. So it's the Hive Tyrant. Not the plastic Hive Tyrant. That is admittedly very old and probably could do with a refresh now. Not even the Hive Tyrant before that. That definitely wasn't a uh, cosplaying Hive Tyrant pretending to be a um, a Xenomorph Queen. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. It is the original metal Hive Tyrant painted in gaudy colours, as was the uh, the trend at the time. I don't know, I've just got a soft spot for old school original uh, Tyranid uh, Hive Tyrant on his square base with I've his whip. I've still got that codex with him in. Have you still got it? Amazing. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Yeah. It was it was very much a, 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 a bright red, because of course it was, and bone colour scheme, which I think was the entire palette for the entire studio at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> But yeah, I um I I kind of wanted to have a look on um eBay and see if I can find one of these because um yeah I do have a soft spot spot for it and the Khan effects that wants to give you a hug as well. If anyone listening who, who remembers that will be get that. Yeah, wasn't that where the screamer killer sort of variant came from? That one. It was. It? It, it screamed at you, then it killed you. Yeah. yeah. It says on the tin. <laughs> Jay, your top three. My Please. top choice is a model that I it was it was probably one of the first models that I treated as a sort of um, model to practice painting and try and you know I spent weeks and weeks painting this model whereas at that time in my sort of hobby I was all about just getting paint on the model so I can get them on the table. Now I had more painted models that at any other time in my life um, at that point in my hobby. But the quality wasn't great. It was just get silver on the guns, get black on the armor, whatnot. But this one model was one where I thought, oh, no, I'm going to take my time here and see what I can do. Um, and I think it's still a great model, but I'm really looking forward to the inevitable reimagining of this model that we'll hopefully see in the third edition Lumineff Codex uh, Battle Tome. And that is Tyrion. Um, and this was... Tyrion, I think, from the third edition of the High Elves, because I'm not sure if there was a version before that, you know. But this was the one um, where he was on, like, a, a big square base. His horse, I think his horse was called either Malhandir or Mithrin Mandir. I, I think it was Malhandir. Malhandir, I think. It was a monstrous mount. And he's sort of raising his sunfang blade into the air. He had the big, stylish um, High Elf helm um, and with the heart of the heart of Avalon, I think it was, on his, on his um, chest. Um, I love that model. I thought that model was so cool, and I I, I can't wait to see the new version of um, Tyrion uh, when they redid Teclas. And I love the old Teclas model as well. The new Teclas model is great. Some people love it, some people hate it. I really really like it. Um, 
there are some elements of it which tie back to the original Teclis, so his staff mainly. Um, but I really hope with Tyrion, you know, we have those sort of like throwbacks. Um, yeah. I'm just looking forward to what they do. But yeah, the, the old Tyrion model, I love that model. Do you hope his horse has been on the same diet that uh, Archeon's <laughs> horse has been on? Yeah, uh, eating eating like spirits of light, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit, I think I owned that model at one point as well. Um, but it was back when I really didn't get on with metal models at all. I used to hate to build oh, yeah, he metal was, models so much. To be honest, I still hate like six pieces. building metal models. Yeah. yeah, they just get fallen to pieces. I'd glue my fingers together more than the actual miniature. Uh, that was me and metal models. Um, Andy, it's time to finish off our top three. So what is your top choice? Um, well, speaking of metal models, um, for me, when I first got into the hobby, dwarfs were always my go-to army. I absolutely loved dwarfs. And the dwarf model that, for some reason, I just had to buy more and more and more of were the old metal dwarf hammerers. Now, for me... <laughs> Getting into the hobby and, and painting up my first ever army, it was so nice to paint those dwarf metal hammers because they were all one piece models. They were all very similar, but you could paint them very unique in the sense that you could paint the beards very differently and that sort of stuff. They had different beards, didn't they? And some of them had like tankards on them and little like um, runic sort of um, talismans and things. Yeah. Yeah. I. I absolutely loved them. And back in 8th edition, the only army I had were, was dwarves. And even to this day, I've still got them sat in my corner and I refuse to ever sell them because I just absolutely mm-hmm. fell in love with those metal dwarf hammers. And, yeah, okay, the plastic ones are a lot nicer and, you know, the, the new and what have you. But the old metal ones still have, they still remind me of, getting into the hobby for the first time you know i have that proper nostalgic feel when i look at those metal hammers and again because it was some of the first models i ever painted in the hobby for me i, I kind of look back on them and i, I compare them to yeah what the, the models that i'm painting now and well despite the fact that it was like almost 20 years ago i don't think my painting's massively improved in it honestly <laughs> Um, yeah, for me, it, it has to be the dwarf hammer models, just for a nostalgic feel of them. You know what you're gonna have to do, um, Andy. When uh, the old world drops, you'll have to make sure you give them an outing. Oh yeah, don't don't you worry. They they will be out taking. <laughs> well, I, I I've got Andy. I, I, the hammers was the dwarf unit that I never picked up. But I have a load of metal iron breakers, which were some of my favourites. I've got about 30 or 40 metal slayers. Um, oh. I've got um, the um, the long beards, which were my favourite of the old metal models. I thought they really had character. Um, yeah. Some of them were like leaning on their axes and things like all the beards came down to the feet. The old metal dwarf range was very impressive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the slayers and stuff. I, I, you could easily do a unit of 30 models without duplicating any of them because I think they had like five or six different groups of slayers that you could have. Yeah. And different, like the demon slayers and they used to have dragon slayers as well, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I think I think it was giant slayer. Troll slayer was your normal slayer. You had the giant slayer, dragon slayer, and I believe the top 
top slayer you could have was the um, the Demon Slayer. Excellent, excellent choices, guys. So that that wraps up our uh, top three for the week. But we do have one final segment left on this week's podcast. It's time to find out what the community have chosen. So we'll be right back. It is time to wrap up this week's podcast with the community top three picks. And we're going to start over on Facebook with Dad Brain. His third choice is the Sisters of Twilight and Forest Dragon, which I believe absolutely didn't Google this, was Nyastra and Arahan. Um, Jay, you probably knew more about them than uh, than I do. Yeah, I used to love these. I don't think you liked these ones, did you, Matt? This was my favourite. I preferred the original version. So basically, they, they sculpted the detail over the old dragon. I, yeah. I preferred the the pure untainted dragon from the the late 80s early 90s yeah i was a big fan of this one this one actually is what's inspiring me when we get the stormcast dragons how i'm going to approach my stormcast dragons is is in a similar vein to this Mm. i still think the that the plastic high elf (laughs) dragon was was much better but that's an argument for another day uh his second choice was zacharias the ever living and his top choice was vect what do oh, we have choice. over on Twitter, Matt? Well, Planet Old Hammer says the Bob Oli first generation Gene Stealer hybrid. Oh, I love those classic Gene Stealer hybrids. Uh, and then the Jez Goodwin Ogre Captain and Terminator Captain. Yeah, I mean, some of those Jez Goodwin sculpts still stand up now. We heard about the Eldar earlier. Half of the Eldar collection still those original Jez Goodwin sculpts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, Pete Allison says uh, Johan and Wilhelm. Vlad von Karstein and Morger, the beast money mutates everything he goes near. Amazing. Oh, yeah, that was an incredible model, that one. And a really, yeah. really cool backstory for that character. Yeah. Um, was it in Mordheim as well, I believe? Um, Timoth says, Brian Nelson's Nazgob redefined green skins from that day to this. Yeah, absolutely classic model, possibly still available now. <laughs> Bob Oli's Patriarch uses alien malign intelligence and malice. Again, I wish I had that model. So it's the big gene Steeler patriarch sat on a throne with a kind of like attendant near him such a good model and um jez goodwin's phoenix lord broke ground on the eldar to make them something different from space elves yeah i mean those 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 classic eldar sculpts really kind of defined what eldar were for the rest of time there's still current models now have nods to those yeah um well, Grim- the phoenix lord the majority of the phoenix lords are still Still the same models, models aren't they it's only, it's only um uh, jane's are that's been been redone yeah um ollie grimwood says the imperial space marines the the original rtb1 box from rogue trader the original warlord titan from adeptus titanicus and morgan thorg uh david metcalf says the original thorgrim oh i forgot about thorgrim on his like palanquin carried by his dwarven guards the original oh, kind Thorgrim, of Thorgrim. was he on the shield? Was he on? The yeah, shield? Being, that was so foreign, before, wasn't it? So before that, there was well, there was a later one carried on the shield, but there was an old one where it was on like four separate slaughter bases and it had big banners behind him on oh, like a palanquin. Cool. Um, the original kind of dog-headed bloodthirster and uh, the orc shaman on, on Wyvern. Um, Warlord of Didcot says the original bug-eyed farseer, the snaky Slaness champion. And the Terminator Inquisitor. Amazing. I've got that farce, yeah. Have you? That's another they did a, a made to order um, a while back now where you could get him. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Richie Brazier, the Marauder Giant, 
the Imperial Dragon and the Great Spined Dragon. I still have the first two, but never managed to get the Great Spined Dragon. Honourable mentions for the Epic 40k Eldar Phantom, Revenant and Gargant kits. Still got those two. I wish I still had my Epic 40k Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, Stuntman John Boy, Kev Adams Orc, Big and Champion, Jez Goodwin's Eldar Witchblade Warlock, which I believe is the one that you were talking about earlier, Jay. Well, Jay always and, holds um, out. The Cadian Lieutenant with Shotgun by uh, the Perrys. Anonymous Rex says the 1989 Space Marine Terminators, the classic Chaos Dreadnought that looked like a squat Chaos Knight. I love those <laughs> old Dreadnoughts. You stop one of them, yeah. And the old Ralpartha Battletech range. Love the variety of six millimeter tanks and vehicles plus the mechs. I've never really been into Battletech. I know your brother uh, plays quite a bit. Yeah, uh, he does. He loves it. Yeah. And to be fair, it is a really, really fun game. Um, obviously, the models aren't as great quality, I don't think, in terms of sculpting as Games Workshop, but the game itself is great. Amazing. Uh, the Painter Devils, I'm going to do theirs in a, in, a, in a different order here. So, number one, they've got the Chaos Dwarf uh, Lamassu, which was the big bearded winged cow thing that the Chaos Dwarves had. Uh, it was reimagined by Forge World back when they did the uh, the Chaos Dwarf uh, range. Yes. The Empire War Wagon, which was basically like a tower getting pulled by horses with gunners in the top. Again, another classic model. Their number two choice is something that I did not know existed, but I, I need to have in my life. The Rogue Trader Limited Edition Space Skeleton. It is a <laughs> skeleton wearing a uh, spacesuit, and I think it's carrying a wrench or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dan, the ginger noob, says Azazel, the Demon Prince of Damnation. So this was the named Slaneshi Demon Prince from way back when. The Marauder Giant and the classic Vermin Lord. I'm surprised isn't it in your list, um, Dave. Yeah, he was. He was a really cool model, wasn't he? I still need yeah. to get one of the new plastic ones back. Not three of the new plastic ones, Dave. Or three of the new plastic ones, yeah. <laughs> uh, Darren Winter says the sixth edition Wild Riders. They were cool. The Eldar Aspect Warriors, all of them, I guess. Again, you can probably still buy them now from your local games workshop. And Ratskins for Necromunda. And finally, Jim D says the Plastic Land Raider. I'm guessing the classic one that's been reimagined by Forge World for the heresy stuff. The Bretonian Green Knight and the Epic Reaver Titan. Wow, some real, real classic choices uh, in that list. Some really good choices. Uh, what do we have next week for next week's top three, Matt? Well, with all the excitement of uh, the new edition of Kill Team, I thought we'd have a Kill Team-related top three. So, what top three Kill Team kits would you like to see? So, if you were in charge of the design studio and you could put out any three kits that can be used for Kill Team and maybe cross-purpose in 40k, what would you want to see? Fantastic. You can get your choices in early via social media, facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews, or over on Twitter at Spruce and Brews, or wait for the post to go up, and then uh, reply to that and let us know your choices. Uh, Andy, how was your first podcast as a, as a full-time Spruce and Brewer gone? Uh, it's gone really well. Um, yeah, it still, it still hasn't hit me. I, I think once we get to, like, episode 200, I'm still on the show, hopefully. <laughs> It'll be when you do that first review, Andy, when when you've got that deadline to uh, to write a review in a night. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's when it'll hit her. <laughs> like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's good fun. They're, they're really good fun. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. And like I said, 
all I want to do now is pick up a paintbrush and, and paint some models. So, yeah, it, it's been great. Excellent stuff. So um, just a, a few quick reminders. Um, obviously, by the time this podcast goes out, you may have potentially missed the live stream game between Matt and Jay trying out Kill Team for the first time with the Orc Commandos and the Death Corpse of Krieg. However, you will be able to watch that back on YouTube once the game ends, so you can watch it from its beginning. Um, speaking of which, do check out Matt and Jay's game, game Thousand Sons vs. the Grey Knights. That's also on uh, YouTube. Um, and we'll have another game of Kill Team uh, this coming Saturday. It's normally about one o'clock, isn't it, guys? Yeah. Um, and that will be an unyet finalised lineup, um, but it will probably be Kill Team, and that'll be available to watch over on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, so yeah, uh, that brings us to another week's podcasting. We'll be back again next week. Until then, have a great week of hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Sprues and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Sprues and Brews. This morning I had brownies for breakfast. <laughs>